to No Truck Stops, a Pac-12 basketball podcast. I'm Greg. Joining me as always is Greg. Greg? <laughs> there it is. He did it. <laughs> he did the meme. Uh, I'm Carlos at Equity Bro, and joining me as always is Greg at Banana Morphs. We have so much to talk about, including basketball-related stuff, as we normally do, like UCLA's upcoming clashes, Arizona's win over Indiana, ASU surge. We've also got some football-related stuff to talk about, including some coordinator hires, we're also talking to our friend, uh, Joey Palomares, an ASU basketball sicko, to talk about the Sun Devils and their rise this uh, year so far. But first, we start, as always, for shamelessly begging for five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, we're still at three and a half stars there. I suspect we'll go down because I was controversial on Twitter yet again. So if you love the show, support us there. Counteract some some uh, one-star reviews that we all will ostensibly get because of me. Uh, also, if you love the show, Support us with a little bit of money, maybe. Go to NoTruckStops.com for premium content on our Patreon. Matt and I had a wonderful conversation about Utah's status as a football program. Reed and I are going to write some stuff, giving each Pac-12 coach a letter grade for his performance. Uh, we might discuss some of that on our Patreon, too, over like a podcast or something. All that. Uh, so if you like the show and want more stuff to consume or you just want to support us uh, and keep us going, go check that out. All right, let's move on uh, then to talk about the rest of our show. Let's uh, let's start with some basketball and do a recap of all that went down in the last week in Pac-12 basketball. Uh, side note, we are recording this part on a Wednesday, and so we won't talk about ASU's game versus Creighton until we... Monday. Uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, we're recording this part on a Monday, and we're releasing this on a Wednesday. Uh, so we won't talk about ASU's game versus Creighton that's going to tip off in about an hour here uh, but we are talking to our buddy Joey Palomares uh, that part is getting recorded on Tuesday uh, you'll hear our reactions to that my reactions to that and Joey's reactions to that game uh, then but first ASU did have a game uh, they beat the shit out of SMU in Dallas UCLA also had a game they beat the lights out of Denver in Poly Pavilion Utah continued its winning ways beating Jacksonville State by over 40 in Salt Lake City USC Oregon and Colorado also got three wins over some cupcakes as well as Steve Alford's Nevada Arizona got a big big win over Indiana in Vegas they controlled the game uh, almost from start to finish UW Oregon State and Wazoo all lost to big brands also uh, Washington lost to Gonzaga, Oregon State lost to Texas A&M, and Wazoo lost to UNLV. Uh, Stanford was off this week, but Cal continued its horrendous season by losing another two games. One in a blot loss to Butler, but then another uh, a loss, a close loss to Eastern Washington where they only scored 48, uh, 48 points, I think, on their home floor. So, yeah, lots of stuff went down in the Pac-12 this week. Let's start with Arizona-Indiana. Um, Arizona beat Indiana. Let's look at the score here. I did not have this pulled up. Arizona beat Indiana 89 to 75 in Las Vegas. Uh, that crowd, it was, I think it was fairly split, but I think it was a slight Indiana lean. Insane environment, uh, but the Wildcats did come away with this one. Uh, Greg, I know you watched some of this game. What were your impressions of Indiana? What did you think of their uh, Arizona? What did you think of their performance against Indiana? Yeah, so, I mean, it is finals week, and so I have been swamped with that. But I did get to watch part of this game, and I have gone since gone back and uh, tried to fill in the blanks of what I missed. And I'm just very, very impressed and, like, 
the stats, I guess he, he had a lot of rebounds, but in terms of like shots, he didn't have very many. Omar Balo, the way he is picking up from where Christian Coloco left is just so impressive to me. Like that's the thing that sticks out most to me about this Arizona team right now is that should have been an incredible drop off from how good Christian Coloco was. And I still think Christian Coloco is better than what Umar Balo is this year. Um, the way that he is able to just be a presence on both ends of the court, uh, the way he rebounds, uh, the way he is so hard to move. And that is, that's probably what's most impressive about Balo is like, while with Coloco, he had that incredible length and he was able to block shots and move around so well. Uh, there were players who were able to like bully him a little bit by like Mm -hmm. just bumping him in the paint. Uh, and you can't do that with Omar Balo. He is just stronger than everybody else. And, uh, it's very, very impressive overall with Arizona. Uh, and it makes me think like, I mean, they could, they could make a run this year, even with the losses, even with the concerns we still have, I think about their perimeter scoring, they could, they could still make a run. They absolutely can. Uh, Umar Balo's uh, performance this year has been unbelievable. And uh, against Indiana, it was awesome. Awesome. 15 mm-hmm. points, 12 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals, a block. He really filled up the stat sheet off 6 for 9 shooting, which is very nice. He, um, I don't know, I think there's a real argument by the end of this that he might be better than Christian Coloco. Like, Christian Coloco was, like, long and very athletic, but, like, Omar Balo is just a different player rather than being, I think, worse. Like, he maybe is a little slightly less mobile, but he's also bigger. Um, and to your point, can, like, absorb some of the contact contact better than I think Christian Coloco can. Um, and he's just as big uh, and just as tall as Christian Coloco. I'm looking at some of the advanced stats. Uh, Umar Balo, pretty much better than Christian Coloco in almost every statistical category. Um efficiency wise right uh Omar Balo has a better box plus minus this year than Christian Coloco did last year uh Christian Col- uh, Omar Balo's let's see uh Omar Balo's offensive box plus minus is higher than Christian Coloco's it's slightly lower in defensive box plus minus uh he has better a uh, higher uh win shares per 40 minutes than Christian Coloco did last year his offensive rating is higher than Christian Coloco's was last year now his defensive rating is a little bit lower than Christian Coloco's la- was last year but uh Umar Balo has Christian Coloco beaten true shooting percentage effective field goal percentage rebound rate assist rate it is insane uh just that uh, uh, just analytically how much better Omar Balo is in Christian Coloco when you watch the games I think it's like it's just impressive him being able to create his own shots on the inside that, the post like that is I am we talk about it so much but yeah <laughs> I'm shocked that he has a better true shooting percentage than Christian Coloco did just with the types of shots that he takes because the post is like we talk about how, oh, you know, your big needs to be able to create out of the post, you know. Uh, but it's a tough, it's tough to be efficient from the post, tougher than people realize. And the fact that he is so efficient this year while doing that from the post, even more efficient than Christian Coloco was when his shots were primarily dunks. I mean, super impressive for Mumar Bala. I might not be giving him enough credit. No, we talked, I mean, we talked last year every time we were like, 
hey, Umar Bobo gets the ball inside the post, and as long as he's five feet away, like you're good because <laughs> he doesn't have any he doesn't have any uh, anything in his bag when he gets there. That's not true this year. He's yeah. doing it against <laughs> high level talent. Like they have not played a bunch of cupcakes to start the season. They've played Indiana, which is ranked. They've played Utah. They got their asses beat, but Utah's a great team. Uh, they they played Creighton and San Diego State, both of whom are ranked. They played a pretty decent Cincinnati team. Like, this is a good, this is a really good start for Irmar Balo. I am very curious to see how he develops, even within this season. He's already so much better than he was last year. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's dangerous. He's scary. I, Arizona, again, has this situation where they just have the best bigs in the conference again. Uh between Umar Balo and Azulis Tabellis, like those two are all like it already feels like they're unstoppable. Um, Azulis Tabellis again in this game, he had twenty one points, seven rebounds, two assists, a steal, and three blocks off nine for sixteen shooting. Uh, really great line. Uh, he he was running all over the place. He had all kinds of length advantage over Indiana. Indiana had like. A couple of guys who could slow down uh, Omar Balo and Azulis Tabellis, but like generally, it wasn't enough. Uh, it was it was an awesome performance. They kept pushing the ball as they always do against Indiana. Um, Indiana did cut it close at some point, but like Arizona just had responses every single time. Uh, every single time that Indiana was pulling in, uh, Arizona would pull away, and uh, it was just consistent throughout the game. At no point did I ever think that Arizona was going to give up that lead. Did it feel tenuous at times? Again, sure, but like generally Arizona controlled that game start to finish. In fact, I'm trying to see, okay, not technically a wire-to-wire win. Indiana's only lead in this game is when they were up 4-2 to two in the opening minutes of the of the first half, but basically, basically uh, a wire-to-wire win. So impressive stuff for Indiana. They've got, uh, or for Arizona, they, mm-hmm. they are looking really, really good. It does make me wonder a little bit about like, they're not they're, if they're not fluky then what does that say about utah's complete murdering of them in salt lake city i want to see uh, them play again uh <laughs> utah and arizona because yeah. we've talked about how that game like that wasn't just a bad shooting performance from arizona uh that was utah forcing them into a game they didn't want to play I really want to see how Tommy Lloyd adjusts to what Utah did in that first game and to see, like, even with, you know, we talked, it wasn't just bad shooting uh, that had Arizona struggling so much in that game. I still would expect them to shoot better the next time they play. And so I, I'm i really excited to see that next game because I think it'll be a good one. Uh, going into that last one, I was expecting a big Arizona win. Going into whenever they play next i don't know when that is uh let's hmm. find out mm-hmm. yeah i'm gonna look at their schedule uh they play they don't play until february 16th so oh really, boy really so late a lot in the season. could change by then hopefully both a these teams are still looking good by then uh yeah yeah but i i, I just really want to see like how the chess match between the two coaches goes i think craig smith outcoached tommy lloyd in the first one uh and Utah's bigs outplayed Arizona's in the first one, just like mm-hmm. the way they were able to dominate defensively, like really force Arizona out of the interior. I wonder if they can do that again, because I think they probably can't just because Arizona's talent is is better uh, and Arizona can just do more things. 
it's it's still so exciting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm curious to see how they deal with UCLA. UCLA has some very mm-hmm. dire situations at center, but they also have a ton of shot makers, more shot makers than I think Arizona does. So it's going to make it that game very mm-hmm. interesting. Against Indiana, uh, 69.6% of... Uh, of Arizona's field goals were at the rim. Very nice. They shot 75%. Uh, no, sorry about that. They, I got this reversed. Uh, 70% they shot at the rim. Uh, they Only 36.5% of their shots were at the rim, but 70% of them they made. So kind of interesting there. I believe that's a little lower for Arizona. They typically shoot about 55% of their shots are at the rim. Uh, you, By the way, just so you know, Utah had held them by far to their lowest field goal percentage at the rim uh, all season, 52.6%. I don't think any other teams held them under like 65. Um, yeah. So uh, great offensive performance again. I kind of wonder a little bit about, uh, in, especially in this game, uh, Arizona's uh, defense. I think it's mm-hmm. more suspect than it was last year. And I don't think that's just because they're running up the possessions. Uh, I think they tend to have more defensive lapses and the issue, I think they had some defensive lapses last year, but the issue with that is they had three first round talent players, uh, starting for them. When you lose that kind of talent, like these were just like Christian Coloco, a defensive monster in and of himself, Ben Matherin, like a very athletic, good wing defender. I think obviously he was not being asked to do too much because he was also like doing a lot for them on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, and Dalen Terry, like a really good, again, lengthy, rangy defender. You lose those guys. I think what happens is that the defensive lapses that we're seeing now are just maybe there's not more defensive lapses. It's just that they don't have the talent to be able to make up for, you know, when someone misses, uh, someone uh, misses a rotation and they have to go run out to a three point uh, shooter or to be able to rotate over where they need to because they just have, they are less talented. Like that's clear, um, which is impressive that they're. Mm-hmm. getting very close to matching what they were doing last season. So um, that's the only thing this in this game against Indiana where I felt like, yeah, I'm a little a little bit, I think there's some worry about their defense. Uh, I think that's com- a, a, a real concern. A lot of it is on Omar Balo. I don't necessarily think that like Azulis Tubelas is a really good defender. He was not a good defender in this game. Kirk Reese's can't really rely on him to, to lock up anyone on the outside. He's a he's a bit of a liability out there. Cedric Henderson and Courtney Ramey might be all right, but um, yeah, uh, I, the defense is one thing that I think is going to be interesting, and I think it's going to be interesting against a team like UCLA that, again, has shot makers, uh, mm-hmm. has guys that are going to be like like Amari Bailey, Jaime Hawkins, to some extent Tiger Campbell, Jalen Clark. Like Those dudes are going to be able to create their own shots, and how is uh, how are the perimeter players for Arizona going to going to be able to handle that because they don't have a Dalen Terry and a Ben Matherin and a Christian Coloco to race stuff anymore. So yeah, we'll uh, see lots of questions, but still the incredible differences between Arizona, Utah and UCLA uh, are very, I, I really want to see Utah play UCLA. I really want to see Arizona play UCLA because they're just such incredibly different teams and how they want to play and what they're good at. Like UCLA, of course, they're much better on the perimeter with the scorers and the shot makers, like you said, but we've, they've got a massive weakness at big, whereas Arizona and Utah both, their strength is with the bigs, and they also, well, I guess Utah wants to play slow also, but uh, not Arizona. Arizona wants to drive up the possessions. We saw how fun that was last year. 
both those teams I think are worse than they were last year, although maybe Arizona regressed as we talked about less than we thought. Those matchups are going to be so fun when they happen. Um, okay, well, that was Arizona and Indiana. Arizona's next game is against Texas A&M Corpus Christi. So uh, you can tally that one up to as a lot as a win they are uh Kempom is giving them is is saying the spread is 23 points uh 98% win probability so their next test though will be Saturday uh December 17th against Tennessee and Kempom has Tennessee as a 1 point favorite in that game so we will uh we'll find out a little bit more about Arizona see what they can do they've done it over and over again beaten uh some really really good teams so we'll find out. In fact, I think Indiana was favored in this game against Arizona. Let's find out if they were favored against Creighton. Um, I always have to click around. Uh, yeah, they were favored against Creighton. Uh, I think they were also favored against San Diego. They were. Arizona State. was favored against Creighton and and, and San Diego State. <coughs> so they're favored in those games. Uh, Indiana was favored, but uh, Arizona beat them uh, pretty handily. So we'll see how that goes. All right, let's move on to talk about. About where do you want to go? What what was what? Uh, I don't know. All the things I said. Is there any team that's intriguing to you that stuck out? Well, we got to save the ASU conversation, of course. Sure, um, sure. After that, I don't know. I yeah, kind I, of uneventful this week. After that, <laughs> there was not a lot going on. Uh, I mean, TJ Bamba had the big game in the loss to UNLV. I don't know if you watched that game. I watched a decent portion of it. Uh, it was the same day as Indiana Arizona. Just earlier in the day i think i mean most of my takeaways are basically that just unlv is good and that's fun <laughs> it's the first time yeah. they've started 10 and 0 since 1990 but they are a truck stop so not as many takeaways from that game from in a washington state perspective except that muhammad gay was not good and uh washington state's not gonna win but when muhammad gay is not good yeah i think uh washington state uh does have some injury issues and they do have some depth issues i do think though they they're playing their best their best guys are playing um justin powell dj rodman muhammad gay tj bomba um and i i I don't know i i guess maybe we should just give them some grace they did lose a close game to UNLV in, I think this is in Las Vegas. I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, it was. Although I don't. Technically, this might have been a neutral site game because it was played. At I MGM think it Grand was instead of the Thomas and Mac. Yeah, I was think this it part was of some an, event. It says Las Vegas Clash at the top. Okay. Yeah, so I'm not sure who else is playing and whatever that is, but yeah, I, I think it was a technically neutral site game in Vegas. Is this a tournament situation too, where the winner of Arizona Indiana is going to play? I don't think so, right? Just uh, Arizona Indiana, and then UNLV Wazoo. I yeah, I don't think that's a tournament. I don't think Arizona is playing UNLV. It's such. I'll never understand how these tournaments work. Uh, but I, I think, I don't that think that was just a like an invitational type thing, not a tournament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's right. Uh, very confusing. Anyway, um, there it is. So Washington State not looking good right now. They are banged up, so I have to give them some grace there. But you know, yeah, they did. They did lose. So uh, I, 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 I don't know. I, it was kind of an uneventful week, for being honest. Washington mm-hmm. got their ass beat by Gonzaga. I, I guess I not saw Washington noteworthy. fans saying that they would win that game if Frank Kepnang was healthy. <laughs> Frank Kepnang, yeah. Also, he's out for the year, so he's the right. big man from Oregon, right? He transferred from Oregon. Um, Did transfer from Oregon. 
and uh, was doing remarkably well for Washington, mm-hmm. uh, and then he got hurt for the year. So that's kind of a bummer for them. Their season is definitely not looking good. Uh, so Oregon, though, themselves, they did beat the shit out of Nevada. Nevada is a, I don't know, they're a good program. They have some talent, but they're poorly coached because their coach is Steve Alford, mm-hmm. who's a big <laughs> moron. Um so they beat the they beat the shit out of Steve Alford in Nevada behind um, behind twenty six points from Quincy Garrier. Uh, Will Richardson though did have a triple double nineteen points ten rebounds eleven assists two steals uh, pretty good pretty good from him. He's starting to put it together. I hope he's consistent. Uh, I hope that stays. He's had nineteen points thirteen points seventeen points uh, nineteen points and twenty eight points all in his past five games. So. Uh, having a really good start to a season. I hope he, I hope he continues that because it'd be good to see him rolling, coming into conference play. Uh, let's see. After last year, I'm. It would it would be a shame to see him bad for as long as he was last year. Right, I agree. Uh, Colorado beat the shit out of Colorado State. Nothing noteworthy mm-hmm. there except that I think uh, K. James Simpson had a massive game. He had twenty seven points, three oh, rebounds. Boy. Three assists, a steal, ten for eighteen shooting, five for eight from three. He's he's putting together an awesome season right now. Um, I think if I go back and maybe look here, he, he's just been on fire as a shooter, as a scorer for much of this season. Uh, he's one of the ten best players in the Pac-12 at this point. Uh, he is averaging seventeen point um, three and. Yeah, uh, he is first in for Colorado in box plus minus. He is first for Colorado in uh, player efficiency rating. Um, he is one, two, three, four, fifth, sixth in the Pac-12 in points per game. Um, tenth in assists per game. Tenth in steals. Um, he's he's been great. Uh, not always super efficient. But efficient enough, uh, 44% from the field, 37% from three, which is great. So uh, I've been hearing his name a lot. I've watched those games, and he like really pops. He's very athletic. Uh, I, I don't know if he's going to stay another year at Colorado, but he's had a great year. So I don't know. I think Colorado, it's weird. We have to like adjust our expectations for them because mm-hmm. they did lose a ton of talent from last year. They lost a ton of production. They're really starting over from scratch. Um, and they're 500, uh, 500 against like, you know, pretty, I mean, they've obviously had some Frankenstein results, right? Like beating Tennessee, Tennessee. lose to grambling. Yeah. That sort of stuff. It's been such a weird season. Yeah. But I I think it's fair to say we expected more than this. Yeah. I I don't know how much I expected. I'm not sure how much I expected. We'll see. I mean, Tad Boyle, he has that whole thing where he just gets 20 wins no matter what. So we'll, if he gets yeah. 20 wins with this roster, I think that'd be a huge accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they did lose at Washington uh, to in one of their first Pac-12 openers. They lost uh, uh, pretty comfortably, but I don't know. I, I guess I'm I'm grading Colorado on a curve just given just given what they've turned over. They got to have a rebuild year. I guess last year was disappointing, but I'm I'm not holding it against them this year. Uh, let's see. I don't know. UCLA has its issues with center, uh, with oh, the yeah. center spot. We that's we beat we have uh, beaten a dead horse with that. They've got to figure out what's going on uh, with Mackie Etienne. They have got to develop a Dembona into 
uh, what Kbakeda is right now for Utah. We've talked about that so often. Um, Cal, though, uh, worth mentioning. I know we're on we're on Cal watch. We're on like zero and twelve, zero and twelve watch. But like, there's like thirty games, so zero and thirty watch. Uh, they lost to Eastern Washington. Uh, they were down big in this one. They were down for much of this game. They rallied late, had a chance to win it uh, with a three-pointer. I think it was Thars Lyman uh, or Lars Thyman. I always get those. Yeah, Lars Thyman. Lars yeah, Thyman. Thars Lyman. <laughs> uh, he, he had a chance to, I think he had a chance to win it, if I'm getting it wrong. The one Cal basketball fan who's listening out there, please correct mm-hmm. me. Um, but in the end, they lost that game. Uh, and again, em- embarrassing stuff from Cal. I think they were favored to win this game, um, if I'm remembering correctly. Let me let me take a look here. Uh, let's see. Yeah, Cal was favored to win this game. Uh, probably shouldn't have been uh, because Cam Palm is using preseason data, but uh, never never was in control of this game. Had to rally back to fight. Uh, Devin Askew did play in this one, I think. No, he played in the Butler game. I'm getting those mixed up. He did not play in this one. But they came two points within beating an Eastern Washington team that is 242nd in the country in Ken Palm. Again, preseason data, but Wash, uh, Eastern Washington is four and six on the season. They don't have any good wins or anything like that. So, yeah, uh, on their schedule, Cal now has two games left where they are favored by Ken Palm. Uh, one, <laughs> uh, UT Arlington, they're favored in that game. That's on Wednesday, December 21st. Hopefully they can get past that one. And then they're favored by two points against Oregon state in Berkeley. So tough. It's kind of tough. Other than that, let me read you their. Uh, I'm going to read you their percent likelihood of winning each game <laughs> from here until almost the end of their season. 15% chance of beating Santa Clara per Ken Palm, 66% chance of beating UT Arlington, 16% against Utah, 17% against Colorado, 23% against Stanford, 9% against Washington state, 13% against Washington, 16% against Oregon, 56% against Oregon State. That's the other one they're favored in. And then 9%, 6%, 6%, 6% against Stanford, Colorado, Utah, Arizona. Then it's 16%, 9%, 2% against UCLA in LA, 29%, 22%, 6%, and 33% uh, in Corvallis to end the season. So they are not favored. They do not have a, a better than a three, 33% chance against any other teams except UT Arlington and Oregon State in Berkeley. Tough scenes. Do you think Do you think that they're going to get a win, right? They have to get one win somewhere. Colorado football got a win. <laughs> and so it is totally possible that they will get a win. However... I will never pick them to win a game. Like, I, I, yeah, that's kind <laughs> statistically of how speaking, they'll probably get one of the because they've got a lot of games left. They they have to win one of them, but I have no idea which one it's going to be. Just because I don't think like if you went through each of them, I get that they're favored in two. Don't care. I'll be betting on the other team. Um, yeah. Yes, because no number can quantify how bad Cal <laughs> truly is. <laughs> Uh, I almost want to check what their what so their bad. record is against the spread. I should look that up at some point. Um, I was uh, Chad was was uh, oh yeah, Chad sent a me. message. Yeah, he did. We should <laughs> look back what he said. Stats about how bad they are. Uh, they've never gotten less than six wins in 107 years. Uh, that's yes. going to change this year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're not getting uh, six their wins. lowest. Yeah, yeah. Their lowest win total uh, is in 1943, I believe where they uh, they played 10 games total. 
they still won seven. Uh, this is, oh wait, never mind. They had a six and twenty-one season in nineteen seventy-eight, which is slightly worse. But like, oh boy, they are smashing that record this year, and like, they're gonna make people totally forget about how bad Oregon State was last year because they're even worse. <laughs> Uh, over under three wins. Are they going to match Oregon State? Are they going to match under. him? Under. I don't think they match Oregon State. The question is, does Mark Fox get fired? I don't know at what point Cal is like, this is embarrassing. We've got to fire him. Um, they're not firing Justin Wilcox. So like, you know, you imagine that might mean they have might have some money to fire Mark, Mark exactly. Fox. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that is like the only saving grace. I... God, I don't know. They really should. Like, if they lose to UT Arlington, they're 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 only given a fifteen percent chance to loot to beat Santa Clara. Um, they're they're yeah, Kemp they're on them as game. eleven point dogs, so they will probably lose that game. If they lose to UT Arlington, which is like their last real shot at like a a, a win over a team that they're clearly favored over, they gotta. I don't know. Like you, you gotta they jump have them. to fire him. I wonder if they'll they wait have until, to fire the, him. until the new year, um, when the new year starts and like kind of during winter break. I don't know what they're going to do, but this is insane. Like They cannot keep doing this. This isn't like a Wayne Tinkle last year situation because Wayne Tinkle had the advantage of just getting an extension and just yeah. going to the Elite Eight. What has Mark Fox done? <laughs> uh, nothing. Yeah. He's done nothing. 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 Has not had a single winning season at Cal. He went fourteen and eighteen his first year, nine and twenty his second, twelve and twenty last year, and now he is zero and eleven. I man, I don't. What what is his contract situation? I don't know actually. Uh, Fox is entering huh. the fourth year of a five year, eight point two five million dollar contract. Okay, um, yeah. So the buyout won't even be brutal. Yeah, I I mean I don't know. It's Cal though. They're they're pinching pennies it over is there Cal. at this point. So, all right. Well, that is uh, that's basketball. Uh, we've got a couple of really great matchups coming up for UCLA. If you are a casual, you absolutely should watch these games. Um, they play at Maryland on Wednesday, December 14th. That game is at 6 p.m. Pacific. Uh, then they play Kentucky. Uh, this is a neutral site game, I think. Um, Kentucky are one-point favorites over UCLA, and Maryland are one-point favorites over UCLA. Uh, that game against Kentucky is happening on Saturday, December 17th. So I don't know. Do you think, uh, what do you think their record, UCLA's record will be against these two teams? I know, I don't know shit about Maryland or K- Kentucky to be completely honest with you, but what do you think after these two games, didn't they go one-on-one to beat them both? Uh, I, th- oh, I don't know enough about Kentucky. I'm going to say they get one of them though. I think they get one of them and lose to the other just because this UCLA team, they feel like a one and one against good teams type team. Like <laughs> if that makes sense, it just feels like they don't have the consistency to, I, I mean, I don't expect them to beat two good teams in a row just because I feel like they could shoot well one night, shoot badly the next night and then have the lack of a big kill them. Yeah. And also Kentucky has Oscar Shibway. Mm. In fact, yeah, I don't think they can beat Kentucky with the way their yeah. bigs are right now. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know anything about Maryland, Kentucky. I think they're a one, they are the kind of team that will probably get one and one. I will say they had it. Mm-hmm. It would be. I don't think they desperately need to win both of these games, but like it does, it's not a great look to lose to Illinois and Baylor, the two really good top twenty-five teams on your schedule, um, and then only get one of these. You'd like to show some growth, but I don't know. I don't. 
I have a sinking feeling in the pit of my stomach that they're not getting either of these. Um, their roster is just, their roster is uh, really strange to me. The, there's, again, the center situation, very bad. That's uh, not, it's it's problematic. Tiger Campbell is looking not great. Like, I know the analytics kind of say he's pretty good, but like. Are we going to talk about Dylan Andrews? Dylan Andrews is awesome. Uh, <laughs> I will talk forever about Dylan Andrews. Uh, what do you think about Dylan Andrews? I think Dylan Andrews looks impressive. Very, very impressive. And mm. is he going to force the question of, like, uh, I forgot what I was saying. Right. Is he going to force the issue of Tiger Campbell's being bad more? Like, if he's going to continue to play like this, do we consider benching Tiger? I don't I don't think uh, Mick Cronin will ever do it. I don't think there will be a discussion yeah. among UCLA fans. I, I think Tiger Campbell uh, has is in a major funk right now. Um, he mm-hmm. has not looked good. And in fact, I think it feels like he's regressed this year yeah, pretty and it's considerably. it's not just bad shooting. It's not just bad shooting. It feels bad decisions, too, and bad shot decisions, most notably, like... Uh, he's just doing too much, I think. And it's it's he's not angry. great. His turnover rate is up. Um, his uh, true shooting percentage, way down. Way uh, down. Yeah, last year people were talking up uh, Tiger Campbell's shooting, and it was great last year. Mm-hmm. It's 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 He is uh, having maybe the worst shooting the season so far of his career. Um, his, uh, let's see here. His assist rate's up a little bit over last year, but his usage rate is also way up. Um, Mm -hmm. so, I mean, I think a lot of this has to do with the role that Mick Cronin envisions for Tiger Campbell to play a central role in the offense. Um, David Woods has talked about this and I've talked about David Woods having talked about it. Uh, you know, he, he kind of is like, He's being asked to do a lot. Uh, him being a, a distributor would make more sense, but man, I, I, like I don't know what uh, if that's the case. Uh, either put him back in that distributor role or play Dylan Andrews because Dylan Andrews is he's been awesome. Uh, he's he's lightning quick. Uh, much it's it's interesting seeing him sort of side by side with Tiger Campbell. He is much quicker than Tiger Campbell is. Um, <laughs> I don't think he's like savvy quite yet. Um, like clearly he has mm-hmm. a lot of learning and growing to do, but he's an, uh, a really tenacious defender. He is, uh, he has like really good vision. His shot selection has never struck me as bad, especially for being a freshman, getting his first college minutes up there. Like I, I think, I, I don't know. I, I, I I'm not. I don't think it's there yet, where we can talk about Dylan Andrews yeah. taking Tiger Campbell's spot. I wouldn't spot. do it yet. But I don't know. He. It certainly feels like the team is a little bit better when Dylan Andrews is out there over Tiger Campbell. I will say that. So, yeah, we'll see. All that to say, I think UCLA might be in for a bit of a disappointment. I am. Uh, this might be the. Uh, 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 this UCLA team might be a step back from where it was last year. I, you know, I've got many thoughts about Mick Cronin and sort of where, what I'm seeing early on the trajectory. I'm not really loving this so far. Uh, he's clearly a good coach. He's like totally fine, but like, I don't know. I, th- I there's, there's, there's some stuff to be concerned about. So anyway, that's, uh, that's UCLA. That's UCLA basketball. Um, yeah. Any, we also had a couple of just real, 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 real quick, and then we'll get out of here. We also had a couple of offensive coordinator hires. Cal hired Justin 
What's his name? Justin Bo Baldwin. Bo, no, no, Bo Baldwin was his old. Uh, I think uh, ASU hired Bo Baldwin. <laughs> oh right, yeah, Cal used to. Yeah, I'm, I'm a moron. Yeah, <laughs> it's confusing. Yeah, uh, Bo Baldwin is now at Cal. Jake Spavadal uh, is ah, now right. is now the Cal offensive coordinator. He was at North where was Texas he at? or North Texas, Texas State, one of those schools. I think it was North Texas. He was apparently uh, the offensive coordinator uh, back in 2016. He was under Sonny Dykes, yeah? Yeah. So, let's there's see. That. Yeah, where, where was he? I I know there were uh, differing opinions on uh, Jake Spavadal's tenure at Texas State. That's where he was. Interesting. Uh, I think... People were really excited about him at first, and it just never, like, it never, what's the word? There was, they thought there was a lot of potential there, and they just, the potential never happened. Uh, and I also think, unless I'm mixing him up with another coach from Texas, which is possible, <laughs> I think he may have done a lot of relying on uh, transfers, which, you know, can go badly if you miss on transfers because you can't develop them, you know? Uh, if you just completely abandon high school recruiting, that, that can be tough. And if that was him, it does make me a little worried about Cal's recruiting offensively if that's their uh, offensive guy. But you know what? Good on Justin Wilcox for trying new things. If they can have an offense that works like a Sonny Dykes offense, then good. Yeah, uh, yeah Tim Pluff. Is their tight ends coach now? I guess he was the offensive coordinator and at somewhere. I don't know. Uh, whatever. Anyway, uh, we'll see. We'll see what Cal does. ASU getting hiring Kenny Dillingham hiring Bull Baldwin though is very intriguing to me. I I kind of feel like Bull Baldwin is not great at Cal, but I guess he's the best Cal has had, uh, which is not saying a whole <laughs> hell of a lot. Um, so I guess there's that. I. I don't know. I think it's a bit of a bizarre move from Kenny Dillingham because why well, get a guy who's like a name offensive coordinator? Like Bull Walden's like kind of a name. Um not like a big name, but like you you assume that Bull Walden will want to have his own offensive system. Well, I'm pretty sure that I saw somewhere that Bull Walden will be calling plays, but Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um that was a thing and it's like dude, Kenny Dillingham is kicked ass at calling plays why would you give up that responsibility yeah, yeah, like, why, why, you, <laughs> we, why, we why asu hire you calling plays yeah uh, it was really funny to me seeing the asu fans well it's it's just funny that this happened with asu because weeks ago when troy taylor was be being talked about for that job one of the ways that asu fans were talking themselves into troy taylor for that job was like oh well at, at eastern washington when bo baldwin was the coach and troy taylor was offensive coordinator Eastern Washington got way worse after Troy Taylor left. Uh, and so they were saying, oh, well, clearly Bo Baldwin wasn't the reason for why Eastern Washington was good. <laughs> and then weeks later, they hired Bo Baldwin as their offensive coordinator. So that, that's very funny to me. But, you know, who knows? Maybe it'll work out. Maybe the maybe proximity to K Kenny Dillingham makes you a yeah. good play caller. Yeah. We are joined now by our homie in Arizona State super basketball fan and Pac-12 basketball observer, Joey Palomares. Joey, how you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to talk Arizona State. They have had a shockingly good start to their season. I think 
people have had low expectations of Arizona State this year, probably because of Arizona State's own doing. But we wanted to talk to you about how uh, uh, how the Sun Devils are doing and what Bobby Hurley's been doing differently this year. So uh, I'm really excited to have you on. Uh, I, I, I'll just jump right into it and get into some questions I have here for you. They are eight and one, nine and one, ten and one, ten and one. I undersold them. They are ten and one right now. They've got a win over Creighton. Uh, they have a win. What are their other big wins? And they beat the shit out of Michigan. Yeah, yeah, that, that, yes. Beat so the hell out of Michigan. VCU mm-hmm. was another. I guess you could put that up there. Colorado is another one of their quad one wins. Um, right. They're two they're, and one right now. Their one loss was. <laughs> it still chuckles me. It still gets me. Uh, was to Texas Southern, who just won their first game. Uh, this Sunday, uh, they were they had not won any other game except the Arizona State game until this Sunday against a school called North American. Um, so weird, weird loss. But Arizona State's ten and one now. What has been different, like as an observer of this team, as a close observer of this team? What's been different from this year than last year? Yeah, well, so first, I got to start off by saying I'm going to make my disclaimer here. I do not consider myself to be an analyst. I am a fan, and I'm here to spread the gospel of Bobby Hurley. <laughs> um, oh, okay. Um, no, I mean, guys, I like I will just, just straight up say that this team is different. Um, I know, uh, like in years past, you know, we refer to it as the guard U teams uh, with Remy and, uh, you know, Trey Holder, Cody Justice, those guys. But the main difference is this team just finds a way to win. And I think that that's the crazy thing. If you, I can name off four or five games where I legitimately and a lot of ASU fans would just say this team was done. So, for example, Tarleton State. Now, you guys talked a lot of shit about that game. But the Tarleton State <laughs> game, from the beginning, everyone was like right off ASU. And then they turn around in the VCU game. Um, they almost lost that game. They should have lost that game. They pulled it out. Um, Colorado, they were down like 15 in the second half. Um, they did it at SMU, ended up winning that game by 20. And then again last night against Creighton, they were – uh, you know, down 12 in the, in the second half. So there's just something about this team that just won't give up. And when you have the, I believe it was as of yesterday, the fourth best defensive effective field goal percentage per Ken Palm in the country, um, you know, it all just depends on if they can make shots or not. And I think that that's the big thing that drives all of us crazy is because when they are hitting shots, uh, they're pretty damn hard to beat. But Yeah, so, I mean, is would you say then, I mean, you're saying that they're just finding ways to win. Uh, would you say, I mean, I don't know, is there, are they more resilient? Have they not given, does this group of players just feel more connection to Bobby Hurley? Like, what, what is it about them that's making them more able to persevere and stay in these games that they're down big in? Um, so, that's, that's a tough question because obviously, you know, I sit in stands and I watch on TV like the rest of us. Uh, but, no, I think it's the defense, man. Like, it's just when you can turn the opposing team over like that, at any given moment, you can get down the floor. Um, you know, we have three or four guys that can just get hot at any moment. Um, you know, it's just a little bit of that because the, in the past, you know, Arizona State teams were not playing any defense. So to be able to, I mean, shit, the guard you team would score like 92 points and lose. Um, so, you know, to be able to, to hold every team except for creating under 60 points is just like the main difference, I would say. But yeah, I mean, last night, because uh, I, I was at the game in, in Vegas, and it was, you know, 85% Creighton fans there. And there was a couple times where I was like, holy shit, um, the wheels are about to fall off. Um, I don't know if you got to watch the game, but, like, there was, like, literally two or three times where, you know, I was sitting pretty close to the to the court, and it looked like 
everybody was just like, oh my God, what is happening? Um, it got loud. Uh, they started turning the ball over, weren't getting good shots. But, you know, Bobby calls a good timeout, which is like, holy crap. Um, you know, in the eight years now that he's been here, that hasn't been something we've been saying. But, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It just, like, it feels different than those teams. Um, and just to throw a little shade uh, in my Utah friends' directions, it, I, <laughs> you're, you're on the Utah, the fan train here, man. But uh, Utah is giving me Arizona State vibes of past. And I feel, like th- okay. I feel like this team is more uh, real than anything we put together. But again, I- I'll also say I don't think this is the best team in the conference. I'm not saying that. But I think it's pretty solidly a tournament team, which cough, cough, I told you at the beginning of the year when you tweeted that. I literally called it and I will go retweet it. But no, I think this is a tournament team. I think they'll do pretty well. And to be honest, I think they can beat anybody um, if they can hit shots. But. Yeah, I mean... Uh, We've seen this story with Arizona State in the non-conference in yeah. 2018, I think. They started 12-0, and uh, ended up losing a bunch of games, but as squeaked into the tournament based on the strength of their non-conference. Um, in 2019, they started 7-0 and and 8-1 and before sort of falling apart in the non-conference. 2020, somewhat similar story. They started 8-2 and uh, with a couple of wins there, and then ever since then, it's been kind of a, a bit of up and down. But like uh, I I I I mean they look they look more balanced I think I don't I don't know what's your sense of the the roster because it feels like uh, this is a different roster than it has been I mean Bobby Hurley is kind of following the Dana Altman uh, trajectory in terms of I'm just gonna get a bunch of guys and like put them together and then hope it works out uh, what's your sense of the roster like how's the roster different because you it seems like there's a lot more than just the guards who are working although Frank Collins is. Uh, an incredible player like what's your view on the roster is it as balanced as i'm making it out to be um yeah i mean first off it's the most athletic roster i mean back when they had dort and cheatham like that was an athletic roster but i mean i don't know if you watch like dev cambridge that man is a freak um i mean there's been like he gets at least two or three alley-oops a game where he's picking the ball off the top of the backboard um you know to have uh, Washington in the middle, you know, an actual seven footer on a Bobby Hurley team that can actually move, um, really changes the the defensive game. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I I don't know if I would use the word balance because you know we're still not running any offense. <laughs> you know, we're <laughs> we're we're running the you know the AAU three leave, um, and you know it just all depends if they can you know do what Bobby wants to do. But that's how Bobby gets these guys is he's. He tells them that they can play that kind of way. I mean, uh, you know, Dev, Des Cambridge, because we have Cambridge brothers. Um, Des Cambridge even said it in the thing. He said, to have a coach that allows me to have a little longer of a leash, then, you know, not every, not all of us have the same leash, but to let me go out and play my game. I mean, he had 18 or 19 points in 16 minutes last night. Um, and he's not doing that on another structured team. And I'm not saying that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I wouldn't go as far to say that, more balanced because when i think about balance i think of like you know a team that's going to run some sets and stuff because that's definitely not us um i just think it's more athletic in the in the way that it fits and and to be honest i think he's got the right guys um i've seen some tweets from you about marcus bagley and things like that and you know i think that i think that the locker room is where it probably should be um better than it has been in years past because we don't have the drama of is bagley gonna play or is Josh Christopher going to play? Or are all these guys going to play? And what's going on? And who's playing for the team and who's not? And now I'm not speaking for like I have any insider information, but you know that's been the discourse around the team for three years. Is 
are these guys who are supposed to be, you know, elite talent even going to suit up? And whether or not they're injured or not was a was a different story. So it just seems like the team is well put together this time. Um, and then they're they're actually playing just just in following them on social media. It seems like they're actually playing for each other for once. But I mean, I, I don't know. Do you think that that's this sustainable? Right. I mean, that's been Bobby Hurley's offensive approach since he got to ASU. Is I'm going to get a a bunch of dudes, sell them on the fact that we're going to roll out the ball and they can do whatever they want on offense as long as they play hard on defense. Do you feel like that's sustainable? I mean, last night against Creighton, you kind of mentioned, and we, we should talk about that game a little bit more in depth uh, after you answer, answer this question. But in the middle of that Creighton game, that offense went cold. Uh, yeah. Creighton went on a 23-3 and run that spanned, yeah. I don't know how many minutes. It was such a, a shocking collapse from Arizona State. Now they ended with an 11-1 run themselves. But I don't know, are you worried about them not really having uh, an offensive scheme? I mean, yes, Absolutely. Um, it does scare me um, because like I, I'll, I'll say this a thousand times. If we hit shots, we can beat anybody on the conference and in the nation. Um, because if you're going to hold a team of 60 points, if you score more than 60, you win the game. Look at that basketball knowledge right there. But uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, it just, it, I think I, I saw a stat about like, uh, gosh, what was it? It was some account posted it about like the shot quality percentage. Um, and it was like eight, 80 to 20 in terms of Creighton was supposed to win based off the quality of shots that they took. It's because we don't get a lot of looks at the rim. We don't get a lot of easy, you know, dump offs. Like I I hate to, I'm going to throw up in my mouth for saying this, but to use Arizona as an example, um, they get a lot of easy looks at the rim and we do not get those. So if we're not hitting, then we're going to score 45 points and hope that we keep them to 40 um and and yeah so i mean yes it scares me uh so i mean but when you are a team like arizona state or a school like arizona state i i don't really know if there's a better option like don't get me wrong i think that we have a like what i'm trying to say is would you rather roll something out where you could beat anybody on every single night or would you rather do what half the other schools in the conference are doing and not fielding any teams i mean bobby hurley if you know, what was that 2020 didn't get canceled would have had three straight tournament teams. And, you know, we, the last two years have been, have been rough obviously, but if they make it this year, that's four out of six years and we're playing this way. Now at some point he's got to turn the, turn the tables and like make a sweet 16 run. Um, but I don't know, I guess that's the argument to be made is like, can something be done better than what we're doing now at Arizona state? Cause it's never been done before. It's a fair so, point. I think that's a really good argument that, like, can you be upset about Arizona State if, like, they don't have a, a history? You know, Arizona State basketball is a little like, I don't know, uh, Washington State football for those who aren't probably very familiar. Like, it's it's not it's not exactly a very high-profile, high-level job. So I, I, I totally get it. I think that's a, a fair point. Um, I, I want to ask you about last night's game. Uh, last night's game, they beat Creighton, um, beat them in a... Uh, thrilling up and down back and forth kind of game that uh they got up big seemed to control the game for much of it uh and then creighton came with that insane run and then creighton kind of collapsed and creighton did some weird stuff at the end of uh at the end of the game to lose that one but arizona state surely hung on what did you think of that game were you encouraged by it and uh who do you think like really stood out to you last night against uh creighton uh yes extremely encouraged because Frankie Collins, and correct me if I'm wrong, was one for 12. That's right. Frankie Collins was one for 12, and we beat, you know, a top 30 um, Ken Palm team on a neutral, a quote-unquote neutral site. 
Yeah, um, not really neutral, but yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, but we should it should have been more neutral than it was. But you know the way that Creighton fans traveled. Um, Frankie Collins is one for twelve, and DJ Horn and a Des Cambridge. A Des Cambridge is that dude. I, that's all I gotta say is he the shots that he was hitting. We were running out of bounds plays, and he was fading in the corner for three, and just nailing it. The, like I was sitting a bunch of Creighton fans that were just turning like this. He do this all the time. And the, <laughs> but the thing, the reason why I'm so encouraged is because we have a game like Michigan where Frankie Collins doesn't show up, and we win by thirty. We have a game against um, Tarleton State where nobody but Frankie Collins is scoring. We have a game like SMU where DJ Horn shows up. And that's what's so cool about this team is there's three or four dudes who could drop 20, 25 on you on any given moment. And that's what's so encouraging is when you have somebody who many people would argue is our best player um, just completely not show up. And you could still win a game like that. Like that's what's um, pretty cool and exciting. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that question. Uh, who is this team's best player? I mean, if you look, if you went just based purely off analytics, it's, you know, the analytics would say it's Warren Washington. He leads Arizona State in offensive rating, and he leads Arizona State among rotation players in defensive rating. Uh, he leads Arizona State in box plus minus. Actually, he's number two behind Desmond Cambridge. Uh, he is fourth for ASU in defensive box plus minus, and he is number four in offensive box plus minus, and he's number one in win shares per 40 minutes. Uh, but watching this game, watching this game, and then watching this team over the course of the year, it's like Frankie Collins has uh, really big games and can go off and is is obviously their primary ball handler at like, what what how how tall is he? He's like, he's a short guy. Yeah, 6'1". Um, you know, Desmond and Devin and, and Devin Cambridge both have uh moments. Uh, Alonzo Gaffney is still there. Uh, not maybe not playing as big of a role as he used to, but uh, he has his moments. Like, who would you say is the best player on this team? Most important, you can say the best, and then the most important. Okay, so I was gonna say, in my opinion, I think Warren Washington is our most important player. Um, and the only reason I say that is because there is a major, major hole defensively when he's not in the game. Um, mm. don't get me wrong, like you know. Duke Brennan, he's got some promise. He's a fan, fan favorite freshman. Um, and, you know, you got Enoch. Uh, Enoch is still, you know, trying to get his footing, um, to say the least. But, no, I think Warren is our most important player. But offensively, he's almost not a factor. I think a lot of that is just because they're just doing a lot of putbacks, like a lot of, you know, dunk options to him. So I wouldn't say that the offense really runs through him as much as the numbers would say it does. I mean, because, to be honest, he had zero points until four minutes left in the game against Creighton. Um, but in terms of like what the difference is between when he is on and off the floor, I think it's very noticeable. Um, and, and I'll just use the Tarleton state game as an example, as I know it was the first game of the year, but he played like less than 10 minutes. Cause he got five, five fouls in like no time. And, and we just didn't play the same game. Um, so I think he's our most important player. Would it call him our best player? No. Um, but the other one is hard, man, because like, you know, DJ Horn has all conference uh what what's the word? All conference awards to his name. Yeah. Um yep. last year, the who's honorable mention. Um Frankie Collins has got the the star power recruiting rankings kind of thing. Uh, but then you got like, you know, Des and Dev, the Cambridge brothers who you know, Des just hits every big shot that you could give him. Um so it's just really, really, really hard hard to say. Um 
Um, I, I would say if you're a teens fan where you're like, holy crap, this guy cannot go off on me, I'd have to say it's Des Cambridge right now. Um, in terms of like what he can do offensively, is you just, oh, oh I hope that guy's because if he's on, yeah. you're not stopping him. It's a good point. I mean, it's a, it's a great point you mentioned too, just about having multiple guys who can kind of go off. Although Desmond Cambridge obviously is, is one that most recently did. Well, and I, uh, I, about all the time about UCLA, you know, losing Juzang and losing those guys and not having shot creation. Like at times, like this Arizona State team, like has too much <laughs> shot creation in terms of like, then you start mm. not running offenses because everybody else just wants to get to the rim. That's I mean, you know, for example, Jemiah Neal, who's like our eighth, ninth man on the, the roster, was getting to the rim and taking one-on-one opportunities at will in the first half of the Creighton game. So it's just, um, you know, definitely the deepest team, too, that I haven't brought up yet. But no, um, it, but that's been, you know, Bobby Hurley's MO, and I think that he's got the athletes all around. It's just like every dude on the floor, minus Warren Washington, is some sort of shooting slash off the dribble threat. But. Yeah, no, they've got the, the the roster is very intriguing. I mean, Arizona State rosters tend to be, but uh, this one in particular seems to not have uh, as much I don't know ego in the way and and guys trying to get their own. And so I uh, I don't know. I should go back and look at some of the assist rates. I'm not really sure what their assist rate is this year compared to other years. I can actually look that up here. They are uh, they've got an assist rate of fifty nine point three. That would be I think the highest in the Bobby Hurley era and the highest since 2011 uh, under Herb Sendek. So ah, it's bearing out. Uh, they're clearly playing for each other and cr- trying to create uh, good shots for each other and one another. So that's, uh, yeah, Arizona State been an impressive, uh, impressive start. And I, I don't know, again, low expectations considering what they were last year, but uh, clearly that stuff is working for them. So, all right, I'm curious to hear from you. Like, where do you think they fall? By the end of the, we're in, you know, uh, the first weekend in March. The Pac-12 regular season has just wrapped up. Where do you have Arizona State in the standings? Um, it's a tough one because we're gonna pull, we're gonna pull an ASU and lose to God forbid Cal. But you know we're gonna. <laughs> that I cannot. I it, Cal is at the point where it's like where it's like with Colorado. It's like no, I I don't care how bad you think your team is or how weird your te- your team is. They are not losing to Cal. I know Cal is gonna get a dumb win. They're gonna get one dumb win. I don't know where it's coming from, but I just will never ever ever pick Cal to beat any Pac-12 team. Well, <laughs> so I pick mean, another dumb a dumb loss. Maybe Oregon State. <laughs> yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna lose one or two of those games, and you know. But I saw I, I would put it on the line that I think that we definitely, if I had to guess, I think that we split with both um, Arizona and UCLA. Um, oh, you think you go two and two against them? I would think so. You know, at worst, I would say three and one. Um, okay. First, in particular, uh, UCLA cannot play in Tempe. Um, Um, and I, and I actually feel pretty good about that matchup. The only one that I don't feel good about is, I mean, Balo is going to eat our lunch. Um, but I'm, uh, I'm also, I'm more worried about the Arizona, but I don't, I don't really have a lot of faith in them on the road. So, um, when, and hopefully as the excitement builds, but you know, Tempe's not, it's not an easy place to play when that place gets jumping. I mean, the Kansas games and the Arizona games over the years will be proof, but, uh, no, I, I if I had to say if if it's anything less than a top four at this point, I think that that is a massive failure along the lines of years past. And the only reason I say that is because I think how weak the top of the conference is. I mean, you know, you could throw us in Utah and that like who's going to actually be good. But other than that, 
you know, there's nobody else out there that really like sticks out that scares me besides Arizona and UCLA. And if we don't fall in that little step below them, I think that that is going to be a huge failure. Yeah. But, and neither of those teams, I think both of those teams have UCLA and Arizona are both weaker than they were last year. I think they're both worse teams. So I think uh, maybe, maybe two and two is completely realistic. I mean, Arizona State certainly has the talent. So, and uh, but I will say, just because I think that they would split does not mean I think they're going to finish with similar records. Like, like I just said, a team like Arizona is going to lose less of those bullshit, bad vibes, whatever you want to call them, games that we're going to. Um, so just because I think that we might split with those schools doesn't have anything to to think that we're going to finish along like along the lines for the conference championship. Cause to be honest, I don't see that happening, but that's just because we're going to lose to an Oregon state or we're going to lose to a Washington state on the road or a Washington at home and things like that, which I don't think that, you know, UCLA and, and U of A will. But. Yeah. And, uh, last, last question for you here, uh, is Arizona state making the tournament and finally going to get into the bag dance after a few year drought. Lock, lock it. Now. Lock it in. Lock okay. It. All right. Lock it now. Um, and, and the only reason I say that is because I don't know if you guys noticed, but every single time at the end of the year we go, cause you guys, everyone's talking about Texas Southern right now. Um, every single time you go to that end of the year, our resume is the stupidest resume in the country. We are three and three in quad one and we're four and two in quad two. And somehow we find a way to lose four quad three and four games. So you, it's just the committee is going to measure whether those quad one wins are as bad as those quad four losses. Um, I think that this team is going to follow a similar mode and only had the one Texas Southern loss on the road who, you know, is the swag favorite. I'm not going to talk about a team that's two and 10 uh, in any, any sort of fight, but you know, there, I would expect their net to climb a little bit just because they're most likely going to win that conference. Um, yeah, no, I think it's a lock. I'll go ahead and put my, put my whole ball knowledge on a lock right there. All right. All right. Your entire reputation's on Arizona state making the tourney. All right. Well, Thanks for joining us. That was extremely informative. We're trying to figure out, uh, you know, Arizona State. It's hard when you don't watch them game after game. It's hard to tell a story about them because it's just a new a new person who kind of comes up and it's a different kind of game every single time. But Arizona State keeps winning. So good for them. All right. That is uh, Joey Palomares. You can find it. What's your at, Joey? Your Twitter at? Uh, it depends what you want to hear. If you want to hear me scream into the Twitter void, it's definitely JCP Hoops. Um, if you like, want to hear my in-game emotional tweets, as I said, I'm, I'm, I'm nothing but a fan. Um, and then, you know, if you want to connect with me on a more real note, it's Sun Devil Joey. But uh, I prefer the, the JCP hoops if you want to shoot the shit and, uh, you know, do some trolling with me. But Yeah, JCP hoops is definitely the one that I interact with the most. So thanks so much for coming on, talking with us about the sun devils and, uh, we'll see where they come in the, well, maybe we'll have you on if they end up do making the tournament. Oh, just, just wait when we're, when we're on championship night, you better put me on the, I don't <laughs> care the Twitter spaces or what it is. I'll be live, live from my hotel room in Vegas and I'll be dancing on, uh, Oh no. Shout out. Reed. Reed called this. Reed did call this. Yes. He called, he called Arizona state being good. Now it's kind of a meme, but, uh, you know, nope. good for him. No, we knew it wasn't a meme. I, I, I <laughs> that wavelength, but no. Watch teams outside your own, and watch Arizona State. Go Devils, baby! Well, that was my conversation with Joey. This has been our basketball episode. We hope you enjoy. If you have any thoughts about Pac-12 hoops, shoot us a line. Uh, we're always willing to hear what folks have to say about this great basketball conference. 
Thank you so much to everyone for listening to No Truck Stops. Remember to subscribe to our Patreon at NoTruckStops.com. You can mention us, ask us questions on Twitter at NoTruckStopsPod, or leave us a review on one of our uh, platforms, uh, specifically Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thank you very much for tuning in, and remember, there are no truck stops here. Not even one. Said I'm lonelier than a single sex on a quiet city street Things aren't always green